0: Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at CandeoChurch.com. Well, good morning, church family. Uh, It's great to see all of you. If you're visiting with us or this is your first time, maybe your second time perhaps, um, especially for you, we, we really desire that Candeo would be a place that if you are just checking out, this church thing, if you're new to the faith or just trying to figure out uh, who Jesus is and, and what he means, that you're, you're not an intruder here. Uh, you're actually very welcome, and we're glad that you're here and, and want to walk with you wherever you're at in your journey with Christianity. So uh, this morning, uh, we had Easter last week, and now this morning, we're starting off a new series that'll be seven weeks that we've entitled Family Matters. Family Matters. And for all you 90s kids out there... Uh, Unfortunately, we couldn't get Carl Winslow or Steve Urkel to help us out with it, but we did get their furniture, as you probably noticed. So uh, we stole the Winslow family furniture, and uh, we have it for a little later on, this morning. But the idea behind this series is that while working through the Bible, book by book, section by section, chapter by chapter, is our normal, steady diet of walking through the scriptures of our teaching on Sundays, Um, what we want to do from time to time is we just kind of want to pull over and be able to address some topics that maybe we wouldn't be able to get all in one place if we go through like a particular passage or, or part of scripture. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at seven different topics that we want to talk about seven different matters, right? That we want to talk about uh, as a church family. So you could maybe think of these next seven weeks as maybe like an extended family meeting. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have those in your family uh, where you need to address something. At least for us, we try in our family to not just make our family meeting something where we're addressing a problem, but also where, where we are reinforcing a value, right? Where we want to cultivate, where we want to celebrate, what we want to cultivate within our family. And so think of that. Think of it like that for the next seven weeks. So the way that this is going to look, just so that you're not confused, for the first four weeks of these seven weeks, uh, there's going to be a shorter time of, of like teaching, of preaching, and you might go, wow, thank God. And then what we're going to have is uh, is we're going to have, you know, for the maybe last half, you could say, of the message is actually going to be a panel discussion with some of our elders as we as we discuss how does this topic that we're talking about practically in Im- impact us? How should this practically impact us as a church family here specifically at Candeo? So that'll be the first four weeks, and then the last three weeks will be three topics that'll be more of a longer format message style kind of thing, all right? Does that make sense? So what we're talking about this morning, the first matter, the first issue we want to talk about, the topic is we want to talk about the necessity of spiritual family, The necessity of spiritual family, or maybe another way to put it, is that this morning, we're going to talk about why it matters for Christians to be vitally involved and connected within a local church. Why does it matter for Christians to be vitally involved and connected Within a local church. Why is that? And the passage we're going to look at this morning is 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But to give you a little bit of context for where our passage in 1 Corinthians is landing. So 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul addressing the church in Corinth, the believers in Corinth. And what Paul is doing all throughout the book of 1 Corinthians is he's addressing divisions that are sprouting up within the church in Corinth. And he's addressing a bunch of things that are causing these divisions within this church. It's pretty wild, right? Like if you were ever under the assumption that there is a perfect church, right? Like, well, the church today is all messed up, but maybe if we got back to the very beginning, to the first century, and we kind of emulated the first century church, then the church would be perfect. Which by the way, if you're looking for a perfect church, just so you know, Candeo is not that, which the longer you're here, you will find that. And I would just say, if you ever find a perfect church, Please do them a favor and don't join it because you're going to mess it up, <laughs> right? But the reality is, is that there is no perfect church. So if we were under any illusion that there was somehow this like, the church today is messed up, but the church back then was great. If you read 1 Corinthians, you'll find that that, that, that isn't the case at all. And by the time we get to chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, Paul has addressed a bunch of things that have, causes, that have caused division between them. From sin being allowed to run rampant to lawsuits being levied against one another to marriage issues to divisions on matters of conscience. People were even getting drunk during communion while other people had nothing to drink. Like imagine that, right? We're taking communion on a Sunday and half y'all are drunk and half you don't have anything, right? That was the church in Corinth. And now in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul turns the corner and begins to talk about spiritual gifts. Now, just a little heads up, you are going to be disappointed already. If you're really into spiritual gifts, you probably already know 1 Corinthians 12. We are not going to be able to dive into every little nuance of this passage, but I want to show you a couple things from 1 Corinthians 12. What was happening was that the issue of spiritual gifts was beginning to divide the church in Corinth. And so to combat this division that was taking place as a result of these gift wars, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12, Verse 12. We'll go through the end of the chapter here. Here's what it says. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, It is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye and I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that, so that there would be no division in the body." But that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other tongues? Do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts? And I will show you an even better way. So perhaps maybe at times you have asked or maybe secretly have asked yourself, does it really matter if I'm part of a local church? And if so, why? I mean, does it really matter that I actually get vitally connected to a church? Does that really matter? And if so, why? And in our passage this morning, it's one of many passages in the scriptures that will answer that question with a resounding, yes, it matters. And then we'll go on to tell us why it matters. But to answer that first question, does it really matter if I'm part of a local church? The answer is yes, because first, what we see is that the local church is the tangible physical expression of the spiritual family you're adopted into as a Christian. The local church is the tangible expression of the spiritual family that you are adopted into as a Christian. Now look, look to verse one of chapter 12. Notice how Paul begins this chapter. Here's what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters... I do not want you to be unaware. Isn't it interesting that the only relationships that we have in the world that are given to us and not chosen by us are the relationships that exist within our family, right? Like, you can choose your friends. You can choose your romantic relationships. You can even choose your coworkers, kind of, right? Like, you can choose where you work, you know, if you really hate your coworkers, you'll probably at some point find another place to work. But you can't choose your family. When our son Judah was born, I remember uh, he was born, and we brought Naomi into the delivery room after a while, and uh, we handed Judah to Naomi. And when we handed Judah to Naomi, we weren't saying, Well, what about this one? What do you think? Right? And it's not like she could have gone, nah, what else you got? You know, and then we go back to the nursery and find another baby. And we're like, well, how about this one? Like that's not what that nursery is. You know, it's not a used car new new car dealership, I guess. Like, it's not that. Like she doesn't have an option, right? We weren't presenting Judah to her as an option. It's like, no, here's your brother. You guys are going to figure out how to get along, okay? And luckily that interaction went well, right? She liked him and all that kind of, but even if she didn't, doesn't matter. He's still coming home with us, right? Like you don't get to choose your family. Your brothers and sisters, they come automatically, right? And notice that chapter 12 begins with Paul addressing these fellow believers as brothers and sisters. Actually, this is actually the 21st time that Paul will use those words to address these people, By the time we get to chapter 12, he has already addressed them as brothers or sisters 20 times. And after this moment in chapter 12, he'll do it 10 more times. So 31 times in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing these fellow believers in Corinth as brothers and sisters, which means that Paul has the audacity to say all throughout this book is that when you are adopted into God's family by grace through faith, you are automatically given spiritual brothers and sisters that in some cases, you probably wouldn't have chosen for yourself. Just like, your, just like your biological family, right? Like you have some family members and you're like, given the choice, I probably wouldn't have chosen them. Maybe you are the family member they wouldn't have chosen. Right? Like, but sorry, that's just the nature of a family. And in the same way, those who have been adopted into the spiritual family of God you have also been given brothers and sisters in Christ that whether you would have chosen them or not, they are now your deep spiritual family. You see, our passage this morning in nearly all of the letters in the New Testament assume that Christians don't just consider themselves part of like the broader global spiritual family of believers, but it assumes that Christians are vitally connected with local physical, physical expressions of that greater spiritual reality, which means that if you are a Christian, you cannot separate your relationship with the father from your relationship with his children. You can't have God as father and not have your fellow believer as brother and sister. You see, this is why The church is not an event to attend, but it's a family to belong to. The church is not an event to attend, but it's a family to belong to. Because if church is an event to attend, then you'll probably treat the church the same way that you go to a concert, right? You've been to a concert recently. Probably what happened was, my guess is, maybe, maybe you got there a little early just because you wanted to find your seat, but probably not because maybe your tickets already indicated what seat you have, so someone shouldn't be in there. So you kind of show up on time or maybe a little late if the opening act isn't good, right? Like, like if Dalton's music isn't all that great, then you go, ah, that's the opening act, big deal, I'll show up a little late. Like maybe we'll get kind of close to the message, right? Like he's just the opening act, right? Which isn't the case, by the way, but <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like you'll show up like kind of opening act, like in the middle, right? You'll you just kind of face forward. The people around you are just sort of in the way, right? That's why you try to get the aisle seat because you're just like I don't want to I don't want to be bumping shoulders with everybody, like and I want an easy out, right? Because if if they get to the encore or whatever, and I just want to like beat the parking, right? So you come in, you probably don't stick around afterwards to get to know the people around you at a concert because that's not what you're there for. Because the main thing was on the stage, and now that they're gone, now it's your time to go and beat the traffic. Like if you. think of church as an event, that's probably the way that you'll come in here. Not so much with a concern for the other people in the room, but more, I'm just kind of here for the thing that happens on stage, and once that's done, I'm gonna get out here as quickly as possible. So, does it really matter for a Christian to be part of a local church? Yes. A resounding yes, because the local church is the tangible physical expression of the spiritual family into which you've been adopted. So why else does it matter? It also matters because as a Christian, you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit to love fellow believers in the context of a church family. You have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to love and serve fellow believers in the context of, of a church family. That's why Paul uses this illustration. Those of us who preach will spend a lot of time trying to come up with illustrations. I love passages where I don't have to come up with the illustration. Paul came up with it for us. He's like, think of the church like a body. You have bodies, right? Like think of the church like a body. There's one body, many parts, and these body parts don't do the exact same thing. I mean, even, even, even your hands, right? You have a left hand, you have a right hand, and even those do different things. You have a dominant eye, right you might have a weaker right like even parts of your body that are somewhat similar still function in different ways for the good of the whole and the point that paul is making in using this illustration of a body is that there's no such thing as a lone ranger christian because there's no such thing as a lone ranger foot or a lone ranger hand right you know what you call a foot or a hand without a body you call that a problem right that's a problem. Your hand gets separated from your body. Something has gone wrong. And so Christians should identify with other Christians, not from afar, not at a distance. But instead, Christians should be vitally connected to the local church because you have been filled and empowered by the Spirit to serve and love and meet the needs of others Fellow believers, which also means that other believers have been gifted to be able to serve and meet needs that you yourself couldn't meet on your own. So not only do other people need the unique ways that God has gifted you, you also need the unique ways that God has gifted others. You need, you have needs that only other believers can meet for you. So, That's why we need to be vitally connected to a local church. If you are a believer, you need to be vitally connected to a local church. That's why. So now I wanna invite some of our elders up. Uh, We got Cody and Nathan to come up and we wanna talk about how should this practically look here at Candeo. So they're gonna come up. Uh, Cody also agreed to sing the Family Matters theme song Okay. I know you know it. Uh, Sorry, man. Crowd participation here. You guys remember the song?
1: (laughs) 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 It's a rare condition in this day and age. Come on, people. All right. (laughs) To read any good news. Man, there is. (laughs) All right. All right. I don't know. Is that the right song? (laughs) That was the theme song, right? Was it? It's all right. All
0: right. It's the... Yeah. We're Man, that. That sounded
1: better in my head as an idea, like how we could start today. I can
0: imagine that was for all of us. Yeah. All right. So, (laughs) Dalton, that was my audition. (laughs) So, so you you know Cody, uh, you might not know Nathan. So Nathan's one of our newer elders uh, on our elder council. So um, we talked about why uh, spiritual family is necessary and how that's connected to the local church. So for you guys though, what are some common objections? that you find people having when it comes to being involved in, connected to, or joining a local church? Okay. Like why would people not want to do this? So I had this conversation
1: like two weeks ago at a membership class at our church in Cincinnati, and it, it, it speaks to, to membership. And so can I, can I do that though? Can I sp- like speak to membership? But I think sure. the principle applies broader, uh, even beyond membership. But, the question that was asked was essentially, hey, if I'm already actively attending, serving, giving, I'm connected, why become a member? Like what additional perk or reason would there be at that point? And the, the metaphor that came to mind when I was answering that question, I just kind of flipped it back to them. I said, I, I guess it's probably the same thing you could take as far as like, if I'm already enjoying a dating relationship, why get married? Like with all the commitment that goes with it. And what I wanted to appeal to was not so much like a sense of like obligation or duty, like you should do it because you should do it, but like what you're missing out on. Like those that, that that are married and have like a rich and beautiful marriage, like you know this to be true, that like the richness of relationship, it correlates. Like they move together in a positive direction. The richness of relationship correlates to the level of commitment between you and that person. Like I thought I knew what love was when I stood on that stage 18 some years ago and looked at my bride in the eyes and said, I love you. But 18 years now of like great days and some awful days and the richness of relationship that we have experienced together, you can see like God's great design for marriage and the beauty of it is like you experience an intimacy unlike anything else. And when you hold the church at like arm's length or with like uh, I'm dating the church attitude rather than I'm ready to marry the church, you're missing out on just the richness of relationship there. And uh, man, I just want so much more for you mm. and God wants more for you. So that would be like an objection I've heard that I'd throw that back. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that key word that you kept using is commitment. And with, a, with something such as commitment, you are saying, I am going to be part of this church. I am going to put myself out there and be in other people's lives. And that's pretty scary. That can be scary when you are with, with that, can be the fear of being rejected by other people. And anytime you're saying, you're stepping out there and, and making that commitment and saying, I am going to be part of this church. I am going to commit to being here, being in people's lives, being involved in connection group. Um, that means that, that you have to put yourself out there and be known and, and open yourself up and, and allow other people to open themselves up to you as well. And with that comes that, that fear, but also with that comes that growth that uh, is only going to come by being part of a community and allowing people to speak into your life and allow you to grow more mm. within your spiritual life. Yeah.
1: I think if I was to add one more thing, I, I think we also just overestimate how strong we are on our own. You talked mm. about like the Lone Ranger Christian. Um, man, I get so sad for, for people that when they're in the midst of the hard struggles, they actually withdraw from community rather than run into it. I think something that I would just point out just scripturally is if you go back to Genesis, like the opening pages of our Bible, um, for the first 49 verses, you will get seven it's good statements, or it's very good. good, it's 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 very good. And then 49 verses into Genesis, you get the first not good statement. Does anybody know what it is? It's not good for man to be alone. What's interesting about that statement at that point in Genesis? Is Adam alone? Now, Eve's not there, but who is there? God, right? And maybe you've heard that growing up, like like somebody told you, like, all you need is God in your life, and you're going to be fine. But here, Adam has full relationship with God. There's no sin in the world, and yet God looks at that and says, it's not good for him to be in this situation like that. And so what he does is he creates a helper uh, uh, to compliment him. And it's not just within marriage that we experience that, but in a relationship with one another, like God created us to flourish best in the midst of community. And so we're not good on our own. And it's not healthy for you when you're in the midst of struggle to withdraw and go, I need to figure this out before I come back to church. It's like, that's the point of the church. Mm of the gathered body of Christ is to encourage and to care for one another. There's one member suffers, others suffer with it and things like that. So those would be a few objections I think.
0: Yeah, I would just add one where some of you, and I probably have this kind of conversation um, more than one time a week, but maybe less than 10 with people who who have come to Candeo and part of the reason why you're here is because you had a really bad experience with the church you came from, with the leadership you came from or whatever it is. And and, and I can imagine that if that's the situation that even brought you here to Candeo, that it would be really easy to to hold any church, it could have been, it could have been any other church to hold, to hold like that next church kind of at arm's length because you just, you got burned, right? And you're like, I don't know. And so maybe for you, you've just kind of been hanging around for a little while, just kind of checking things out. And I just want to say out loud that if that's, if that's the situation that you're coming from, like, just know that our leadership like understands that. And we're not frustrated with you for maybe going a little slower then maybe some other people would into jumping back, like right back into a a church family. And so I would also say, though, as well, um, we love walking with people as you are healing in that process as well. And so one thing that I wouldn't want you to do, I wouldn't want you to feel this tremendous pressure that you got to just jump back in right away because it's like, man, I just came from some hard stuff. Like, I don't want you to feel a, a tremendous amount of pressure there. And at the same time, I go, can we can we come alongside you and help you at least know what it looks like to not heal alone as you kind of get your feet back under you? And so I just want to acknowledge those people that maybe you've had some, some church hurt or something happened from where you came and, and you're just really hesitant to like jump into another context. Just know like, we see you, we love you, and we wanna walk with you in whatever way that looks for you as you even slowly begin to integrate back into a new church family, because I know that can be really hard. So um, yeah, I just wanna say that out loud. But so we talked about um, being uniquely gifted to serve and uh, meet the needs of other people. There's something interesting that happens here in this First Corinthians passage. You have 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is probably the most well-known, and you've probably heard it most at weddings, uh, the famous love chapter. Um, Can you help us understand kind of how 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 all play together as we begin to think through, okay, I'm talking about spiritual gifts. How am I uniquely gifted? What is my gift? Should I take a test? Like things like that. What's maybe the first thing actually we should consider as it relates to assessing our gifting?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that to our attention here. Guys, if you have a Bible, like just look, look down at, at chapter 13 for a second. I mean, the flow here is very purposeful and, and it, we were the ones that added in the cha- chapter breaks and things like that, but this is a letter that flows one thought to the other. But it's a reminder. I mean, 1 Corinthians reminds us here that the greatest thing that we can offer to each other is not our gifts. It actually is love. It starts with love. That's the foundational thing. Because here he goes through like, All right, we're one body with many members, right? And we all have different gifts, supernatural gifts that God has given to us by which we can serve one another and that. And then he pauses in the middle of that and I will show you an even better way. And then he just puts it very point blank. It doesn't matter if you are the most gifted person in the world and you can speak in the tongues of angels. But if you don't love people, what good is that? You know? Or if you have faith that can move mountains. you don't love people, what good is that? Or if you give away all that you have or sacrifice even your own body, you know, for those around you that are in need, like, if the end of that is just to boast, what good is that? You don't love people. It's all about that foundation of love. And then he, he expounds on that. What is love? What does that look like? That is the foundational call for us. And then comes back to the topic of gifts again. And now what type of gifts should we be zealous for and, and pursuing. And, and highlight this. I mean, this, this flow is beautiful as he comes back into gifts. Uh, 14 verse 12, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, then seek to excel in building up the church. Seek to excel in gifts that are not so much for personal gain, but actually are for the gains of others. And so one thing that needs to like foundationally shift for us as we look at a passage like this is not to walk into Candeo and go, well, what can I get out of this? But to be thinking about, man, God has gifted me and I should be walking into this church environment on a Sunday morning, small group, or just into life with these people asking, well, what can I give? Not so much, what can I get? Mm. And that love is key. That love is key.
2: Yeah, First John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. And that love is what should separate us. It's not the gifting that separates us from the non-believers, but it is the love that we receive from God and that we can then pour out on other people that should really be what separates us as believers. And that love is what should be fueling us uh, being part of the spiritual family and in our gifting um, in whatever it is that that we do.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that can be easy to uh, avoid opportunities to serve is to point to, well, I'm not gifted in that, or that's not my passion, right? I'm not really passionate about that. And what 1 Corinthians 13 does for us is it, is it reorients the way we need to think about stepping into our passions, when it's actually that as a believer, we, have, we don't have to actually discover our passion. We've been given what should be our passion, and that is loving God and loving other people, which is interesting because you know this experientially where when you're doing something you don't like, but you're doing it for someone you love, you actually, it's not that you love doing that thing, but you love the person you're doing it for, right? Like I don't love folding laundry ever, but I love loving my wife, right? And so that will, that will make me step into doing things that, you know, I can, I can look, I imagine looking at your wife going, I'm not gifted in folding laundry. Sorry, I'm just not passionate about it, you know? That probably wouldn't work in your house either, but you know, but I go, the question isn't, am I passionate about this? And the question isn't, am I gifted for The question is, do I love the person I'm doing it for? You know, and so, yeah, like Cody said, reorienting the question that we ask away from what am I passionate about? What am I gifted? And then having our first question be, how can I love these people, right? But we do eventually want to get in, like we have been uniquely gifted, <laughs> right? And so while we can step into the variety of opportunities that exist, how, like, how should we go about... Um, understanding maybe the way that, that we are, like individually, uniquely gifted to serve as a part of the body, right?
2: Yeah, to start with, I would just say don't get caught up on trying to find right away out of the gate what am I most uniquely gifted in, and that's the only thing I can do. Uh, I think to start with, you got to say yes to things. People are going to, there are needs within the church that are going to come forward. There's needs within the body of the church that are going to come out. And you just need to start with saying yes and um, jumping in and helping in those ways. And that, as you do that, then your gifting will get affirmed through the successes and, and through the, the fruit that comes out of that. And it doesn't mean that you're going to say yes to always doing this thing. And then from now on, y- you are that person and nobody else, and you will never have an opportunity to do something else. It, it's just a starting point. And the more you say yes, the more opportunities you're going to get and the more affirmed you're going to get in what your gifting is.
1: Can I throw a question at you personally? What was your journey like? I'm kind of curious, uh, what was your first role of service in the church? Do
2: you remember that? I think my first role in service this is going to date me because this, this goes back well pre internet when you had a bulletin that was basically like How
1: old like, are you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think we're the same age. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that much older than you. Yeah, Come on. Okay. When you had a bulletin that you got every day that was every week that was, like, your booklet for the week, that, you know, that was where all the information was. So, like, one of my first jobs was, was sitting there on Saturdays, and you would fold this eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, and then you'd stuff it with all these little pieces that went along with it. Everything that you'll find on the internet now on our Candeo website, that had to be in the bulletin, so... <laughs> So that was, that was probably one of my first jobs of saying, yes, I will do this. And it's not like I had a gifting at folding a piece of paper. <laughs> so, so I'll date myself here a little bit as well.
1: The, the first thing I remember doing, this was at, at Cornerstone. I was with Salt Company there. Um, when the sermon would, would, would be done, they would take that recording and burn it onto CD and cassette tapes and put it at the resource center. And so my job was to take that teaching burn it into those two uh, formats, and then to sell those after Salt Company as a way to make those available. And so I was the guy be- behind the counter, like passing out and selling cassette tapes. Cassette tapes. That,
2: that does date that you. dates
1: me a little bit. That's also <laughs> pre-internet. It does. Uh, but that was, that was like the first thing. And I, I think, you know, when I look back at that, and we were kind of like having this journey together the other day, like listing off all the things we've done. I think the thing I, I praise God for was just like the willingness in my heart to say yes like that when needs popped up to say yes. And then as I went along that journey, like God started to affirm different things and others around me started to affirm different things. And I think it just proves what's true is that uh, it's easier to redirect somebody that's in motion rather than just sitting there going, I'm not gonna move until I find the perfect opportunity and the perfect thing. And so to put yourself in motion, to be saying yes and let, God and others kind of direct and affirm mm. in different ways.
0: Yeah, you probably caught that both of them, and I was just gonna say a very similar thing where it's like, at, the more you say yes and the more you serve in the context of community, that community will begin to affirm things within you, Whether and they'll begin to recognize those places that you step into and those things that you do and the way in which you do things that seem to have an exponential multiplying, like, like uniquely... Uh, helpful, like, effect to wherever you're stepping into, you know, and, and that community will, will also hopefully love you enough to tell you where you're really bad at some stuff, right, and just go like, hey, I know you might, there, oh, uh, man, uh, we don't, we got a little bit of time, so, well, not quite, I remember a guy, not here, this was a, in a previous context, where this guy was like, was like, man, graphic design is my thing. I'm just so passionate about this and all this stuff, and I want, him, I want him to do the graphics or whatever. And so we, we gave him a couple projects to do, and they were terrible. And, and, and I just looked, I was, like, I was like, hey, listen, I love that you're passionate about this. The reality, though, is that um, you're not currently very good at it. And so, like, in this, I tried to be so, you know, and so I was like, I was like okay, there's a couple options we have here. One here are some ways that I think you could develop in this skill, you know, maybe, maybe you're just like really early on in it, right? And just need more development. Um, We could also consider the context. And so maybe we're not going to have you be creating things for like a really broad context. Maybe we'll start with some like very, like some smaller things that basically no one will see, but just so that you can kind of get some development, right? Um, Or, is this actually where you've been uniquely gifted? Though you might be, though you really might want it to be, is this actually where you're uniquely gifted? And it turns out this guy, uh, uh, all of us should pray. I'm telling you, this guy, I've, I, I have not, I've not personally seen him for probably 10 years. And every week I get a message from him saying, I'm praying for you this week. How can I pray for you next week? He, he had a gift of encouragement and prayer that continues to ripple in my life to this day, though we haven't seen each other physically for 10 years, right? And this, that, that influence goes well beyond any graphic he would have poorly made, right? Because as he was in the context of community, he both like, loved people enough to step into whatever was needed, but then also was firm like, man, Dude, you are actually such an encouragement to this body uh, and, and to be able to fan that into flame. So yeah, in the context of community is huge. And so my encouragement for you, uh, a couple things real quick. First, there are so many of you who already exhibit these characteristics within our church body. I, I remember a few members meeting, meetings ago, one of the things we were celebrating of our church body was how often it is that we as elders when we hear about needs, we're also immediately hearing about how that need was met by somebody else in our church. It's it's like, it was like, oh my word, I didn't even know that was a need. And not only that, but it's now no longer a need because so-and-so met that need. Like, and so there are so many of you who are already stepping into and being vitally connected and loving one another so well and meeting each other's needs. So first off, like we see that and thank you so much for that. For some of you, the encouragement for you is, If you're on the fringes, just kind of looking in, what's at least the next step you can take to knowing others and being known in this church family? Because if you're a believer, you have been gifted in a way that other people need, and you also have needs that other people have been gifted in order to meet in your life as well. So what is that next step maybe for you, even if it's a small step that you can take to being a little more known and knowing a few more other people in this spot, and just the third thing I'd say, real quickly, is that um, one, one thing that I'm so grateful for, and Cody, Cody and I have talked about this. Where um, I'm so grateful that this expression happens across our church body, but I'm also so grateful that this expression of, of plurality of giftings is also expressed really vitally in our own elder team, right? And so, one of the things like I told Cody this week, I'm like, listen, if someone this is, this is 100% true, if someone said, hey. Uh, you can be the primary leader of Candeo Church, i go, that's a terrible idea. Because one, uh, it just would not go as well. Like, you would not like that, I promise you. Two, it's because Cody and the rest of our elders are gifted in so many other ways that I am not. Like, so much of what I praise God for in this place is actually a result of the expression of the multiplicity of giftings that happen within a plurality of leadership. And so our elders, uh, I just love seeing this every week where, Our elders are gifted in such different ways that we're able to balance each other out uh, for the good of each other, but also for the good of our church. And so that'd be the three things that I would encourage us with church. Um, But I would love to pray for us that that God would continue to make us into a fully formed body where every person knows their place and is cared for and loved by one another. So let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that it's by your blood and by the Holy Spirit that we are united together as a church, that we are connected to one another, as a spiritual family. And Lord, I pray that that Candeo church will be marked by people who deeply love you. And because we deeply love you and you deeply love us, we deeply love one another. And so for whatever needs there are, whatever opportunities there are, that we would step into those places first out of a posture of love for you and love for people. But then Lord, I do pray that our body would be one that we recognize the many members as we stand as one body. That as we're fueled by the gospel, that we would celebrate one another, that this would be a culture of honor and celebration. Lord, that we would submit to one another, that we would express our needs to each other so that you could meet our needs through the hands of other people. God, would you make Candeo a unique, countercultural, diverse family who loves one another, and that our love for one another would be a radical testimony to the world of your great love for us that you have shown in Christ? Would this be true of us today? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.